Good evening, everyone. Oh, yeah. You guys look beautiful over there. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm in the middle of midterm week, and then I don't know how Pastor Christian does it, but whenever I'm in midterm or finals, I'm the one always preaching it by the fire. So it's like, oh, you did it again. Thank you. <laughs> and yes, I am here. And yeah, I struggled a lot with just time management. And I was just so busy with midterms and assignments and work and Niagara and prayer team and everything. But I am here with this message in my hand. And I do not know how I ended with this message, honestly. But <laughs> if it was not my intent, it must be from someone who lives in me, right? So I trust that, and I'm going to preach from the message that Holy Spirit's given to me. So you guys, please release your faith into that. Holy Spirit has something to tell me tonight. Let's say that together. Holy Spirit has something to tell me tonight. Okay, awesome. And this is like the crowd that I prayed for, like exactly. So I actually prayed for mixed crowd, like half and half, about half and half. God, I want half of them to consider themselves as healed and delivered, or who, you know, personally went through healing and deliverance session, or something like that. And people, you know, who consider, uh, the other half, people who consider themselves who never heard of it, or never really gone through it personally. So I guess me right now, looking at this crowd, I, I feel like, oh, God answered my prayer. So if you are the first half, if you personally gone through healing and deliverance and you dealt with a lot of your sins in past, praise the Lord and please listen to it with humility because you will never be done with healing and deliverance in your life. Amen. You're never done with it. So please listen to me with humility. You're not finished yet. <laughs> and then <laughs> the other half, if you consider yourself as, oh, I never really dealt with the struggle with sins and, you know, if you are one of them, welcome. And I hope and pray that this will be the doorway to your full freedom and deliverance from your struggle with sins. Okay. Let me begin by asking you a question. Everyone's supposed to raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions. How many believe that you are a sinner? Raise your hand if you believe that you are a sinner. Okay, down. Number two, how many here believe that you are a saint? Okay, down. Oh man, this is an amazing crowd. Okay, <laughs> I got a lot of the content that I'm going to preach from, from this book called Victory Over the Darkness. And I'm going to quote a uh, part of a paragraph from this book, uh, this book's written by Neil T. Anderson, and let me read it for you. Attend any Bible-believing church that asked, uh, and ask the congregation, how many believe that you are a sinner? They will all raise their hands. Then ask, how many believe you, how many believe that you are a saint? Few, if any, would raise their hands. I guess New Philly will break his Expectation, but let me go on, move on, okay? And many believe that the label sinner best fits their present condition. They sin, so they must be sinners. 
Even if you told them they are both saint and sinner, they will believe the latter and probably not the former because of their experience. Because of daily life, they wouldn't say that they are saints. They are sinners. So the reason why I share this story is to tell you that how we give more credit to what we actually see in our lives and how we feel about ourselves rather than what God's word tells us. So I sin, so I must be a sinner. So let's see what the word of God actually says about us and sin, the relationship between them. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Okay, let's read from verse 1 to 11. You guys all ready? Okay, let's read it together. One, two, three. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And let me read uh, verse 18. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Okay, Bible says that we are dead to sin. Free from sin in Christ. The old man, the old self is gone. We are a new creation in Christ. We do not live according to the flesh. We do live according to the spirit. And we are done with sin. We have nothing to do with it. This is what Bible is telling us. Now, I want us to look at our lives. I know what you guys are thinking right now. I was thinking the same thing. How come... Then, we who died to sin still live in sin. Do you get the question? How come we who died to sin, who's free from sin, still live in sin? And if you look around, look at everyone, and look at the churches, look at the Christians and the world, then why are we still struggling with our sins? You know, is anyone completely have no struggle with sin? Come talk to me after the sermon. <laughs> and it's a difficult theology, I admit. I admit. This is the topic that we always talk about at seminary, you know. But 
I do not have the master answer right now to you guys, but I am here to preach what I got from the Bible. You know, let me read a portion of this book, The Victory Over the Darkness. So I think this explains well why we are stuck in this sinful life. Okay, let me read it for you. It's about the slavery in the States. Slavery in the United States was abolished by the 13th Amendment on December 18th, 1865. How many slaves were there on December 19th, the following day? In reality, none, right? But many still live like slaves. Many did because they never learned the truth. Others knew and even believed that they were free but chose to live as they had been taught. Several plantation owners were devastated by this proclamation of emancipation. We are ruined. Slavery has been abolished. We are lost the battle to keep our slaves. But their chief spokesman slightly responded, not necessarily, as long as these people think they are still slaves. The proclamation of emancipation will have no practical effect. We don't have a legal right over them anymore, but many of them don't know it. Keep your slaves from learning the truth and your control over them will not even be challenged. Another part. Remember, most of these free people were born as slaves and have lived like slaves. All we have to do is to deceive them so that they still think like slaves. As long as they continue to do what the slaves do, it will not be hard to convince them that they must still be slaves. They will maintain their slave identity because of the things they do. The moment they try to profess that they are no longer slaves, just whisper in their ear, how can you even think you are no longer a slave when you are still doing things that slaves do? After all, we have the capacity to accuse the brothers day and, I mean, the capacity to accuse them day and night. So guys, this is happening in our Christian life. So we once were slaves to sin. But what happened? Jesus set us free. But then we just do not know the truth yet. It just didn't reach here. We've been living as a slave, and we just don't know what to do. Do you see the connection? Do you think it's a similar story? So we also got to understand that, oh, man, okay, that <laughs> salvation is such a similar story. Guys, salvation is a radical change in our lives. You know? In the spiritual realm, if you look at it, at the moment of salvation, when you are born again, when you put your faith in Christ and invite him to be the Lord of your life, and your identity as a sinner immediately changes into a saint. It's immediate change, right? And your name goes into the book of life, and Holy Spirit is the seal, and he guarantees your salvation. Now, all the identities written in the Bible, all the promises written in the Bible, that's yours. Because that's for the people who are in Christ. And you are in Christ. Right? And it's such a dramatic and immediate change if you really think about it. You know? And yes, it's unbelievable. Does it happen overnight? It happens over a second. As soon as you do it, it happens like over a second. You know? It seems like nothing has changed, though, in your actual life. If you think about it, like, I got saved today. Okay, tomorrow morning, everything's going to be changed. It's going to be all different. 
you know, happy days. No, I still live in the same house, with the same family, with same friends, in the same fallen world, and in the same struggles, in the same temptations. You know, if you think about it, in this drastical, in this crazy change, nothing seems really changed. So we are in this gap. Oh, I got saved. I'm done with sin. I'm over it. But then my life here is the same. You know, do you see that gap that's created in every Christian's life? Do you see that? Like, and in terminologies, in, you know, theological terms, we need, what we need here right now is sanctification. So what you need is, so you are justified. So your sins are done and all the cost of sin, Jesus paid for it. So you are bought at a price and you are redeemed. So before God, you are clean and holy. You are justified. But then your actual life, you still got to go through the process called sanctification. You got to be sanctified day by day. And Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit lives in you. And he will change you day by day, little by little, to become more like Jesus. To share his holiness, right? So what you need is sanctification right now. So in this fight that we have together... Like sanctification, it doesn't come that easily. It's a natural process because God lives in you and it's going to happen. But when we fight with sin together, I believe everyone here struggles with sin. Like not even one is exempt. Everyone struggles with it. And when we fight with the sin together, I want us to remember these points that I meditated on. And the first one is to listen to what God says you are. Listen to who God says you are. That's my first point. And Bible says that we are dead to sin. As I said, we are new creation. We are free from sin. We are justified to God in Christ. And we are being sanctified more and more like Jesus Christ day by day. Right? Brothers and sisters, I believe that my Bible, the Bible is the ultimate authority over my life. Do you guys all believe that? Do you guys believe that this is the ultimate authority in your life? Like when Bible says so, that's it. That's what you believe. That's what you live by. And even though my life doesn't quite match what it's, what's written in my Bible, my life is not that glorious, I guess, but I will still give my full trust and credit to this book. Do you guys say amen to that? Even though your life doesn't sound like what's written in this little book, but I still give my full credit to this book, not to my life. So people of God, we are the saints, I believe. We are the saints who are still fighting with sins. Some people say, you guys are sinners who will eventually become, possibly become saints, but I don't believe in that. Bible, my Bible tells me that I'm the saint already who is still struggling with sins, who is still in the process of fighting and battling. And that's what I believe where we are. We are the saints who fight. Amen? That's my title, by the way. (laughs) And the scripture shows us that God sees us as the saints who are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And we are clean and holy before Him. We are pure. We are spotless. 
So we are saints. We're just still in that battle. We're still just fighting with the sins. And don't be afraid to embrace your new self. You are free from the slavery. You are not a slave anymore. Don't be afraid to embrace your new identity, new self. And your identity, it changed immediately when you accepted Christ. And all the documentations about you, documentations about you, it says you are free. You are not a slave anymore. But then in your mind, in your life, you're just stuck in it, you know? So don't be afraid to embrace it. You are a new creation. And you have received new hearts, new spirit, new passion, new desires, new eyes. You have received new master, new Lord. You are new. You are not a sinner who can possibly become a saint, but you are a saint who is fighting with the sin. That was my first point. And now that we laid the foundation about this talk, let's go into more practical things. Um, I have to talk about faith here. So 2010, this is a year of faith, epic faith and new feeling, right? Year of epic with K faith. <laughs> year of epic faith. And then I have to talk about faith here. As I was just sitting there worshiping God, I felt like I was saying, Myung-ha, don't try to prove your sermon. Don't try to prove it theologically, logically, whatever. Just preach from your life. That's the uh, message that I was getting from the Lord. So I'm going to put my testimony in it. And I'll try to make it um, simple. Guys, Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. Right, And Bill Johnson, he puts it this way in his book. Faith has its anchor in the unseen realm. It leaps from the invisible toward the visible. So in other words, I kind of try to paraphrase it. Try to think, okay, you could get lost here. It's kind of complicated. In other words, I believe, it's like being able to see or envision what is unseen yet... And through release of faith, they become visible to you. You guys get it? So things that I hope for, through the release of faith, they become the reality. That's what faith does. That's what this Bible verse tells us, and Bill Johnson too. And why faith all of a sudden? You know, it's kind of like out of the place. But I find it very, very crucial in our daily fight with sin to have a faith. So in order to conquer and win the area of sin in our lives, you need to learn how to release faith toward the things that you've never seen or experienced in your life. You know, Especially if you have like a habitual sin, secret sin, bondage of sin, you feel like you want to get out but you cannot. If you have that kind of sin in your life, you have to learn. You need to listen to this. You need faith to break free. So the, here's my testimony. Uh, one of my testimonies, I had a bulimia, eating disorder. You guys all know what bulimia is? Bulimia is like uh, because of the fear of gaining weight, you eat and basically you throw up or you take medicine to let it out. So bulimia, it's people categorize it as like a mental disease, but I... I'm fully convinced that it's a spiritual thing. 
And I had bulimia for six years, from the first year of high school till the third year in college. And the first three years, I wasn't a Christian. I was living in the sin. I was given to the sin. So I just pursued my beauty. I just wanted to be prettier and skinnier. So I ate and threw up, and I was losing a lot of weight, and I was in the sin. And then first year, college, freshman year, I got saved. I met Christ. And I don't doubt my salvation. That moment when I met Christ, that was real, that was genuine, and Christ came into my life. And my identity, as I said, immediately changed. Right? I do not doubt that either. And I became a saint, but I was still in fierce battle with this sin, bulimia. Right? And I still was under the bondage every day. And I had to struggle every day because I was reading the word of God, but my life wasn't getting better. Uh, I couldn't stop going to, running to bathroom after eating. After eating like a small cracker that wouldn't even come out of my throat anymore, but I had to let it out. That's called bondage, guys. You know, that was terrible. And 2007, I went on a mission trip. Okay, I'm skipping a lot of stories here. Mm. Mm. I'm just double-checking if I have to share this or not. Um, oh, yeah. Before I... Oh, yeah. That 2007 summer, I went to... I was going to go to Philippines for mission trip. Erin um, um, Samo was my leader, team leader. And from that point on, I think it's my sophomore year, so from that point on, I began to have this desire for deliverance and freedom. I was sick of it. I knew that I couldn't um, be able to live with it forever, you know, because it was destroying my body. My voice wouldn't come out. My, my hand was all scarred. Um, it was terrible, and I had to stop. But I had that desire in my heart. But I, I wanted to be free. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop but it wouldn't come easily. So I would stop for like three days and I would come back. Even, even in like a worse way. I would throw up even more. I would be even under more stress. That was what was happening. And, okay. <laughs> okay. And I desire deliverance, guys. Oh, I can say that with all my integrity. I really wanted it. I did my best. I really did my best. I could whatever I could do. I tried to brainwash myself with my own thoughts, but it wouldn't happen. And then what I realized was my, my history of sin. So the five years of my, my history of having bulimia and many attempts to quit, but I failed, right? The, the memories of failures and fear of gaining weight, that was too. And fear of not being able to uh, eat what I want to eat, that was a big bondage. So because of those things, they just blocked my eyes from looking at it with eyes of faith. Do you guys get it? I couldn't look at it with faith in God's word or faith in Jesus who is able to do it. But I was so clouded. My eyes were clouded. I had more faith in myself. I had more faith in Satan, I guess. I had more faith in devil's work. That was what was happening. 
And I believed in God's word, guys. Don't get me wrong. I believed in God's words, but I wasn't sure about that. So, and because it's been too long, five years, God, and I don't think I can live without it. That was my excuse. And it just seems impossible. How are you going to do it? And I was, at a point, was not able to even repent. So at the beginning, I would throw up and come out of the bathroom. I would repent. God, I repent. But after I learned that repent actually means turning away from sin. Did you guys know that? Repent means turning away. After I learned that, I wasn't even able to repent because I was scared. I would pray with tears, God, help me, deliver me, get me out of this, help me. I'm sorry, Lord. But that was it. I'm sorry, Lord. But I couldn't go beyond. I couldn't say I repent. Because I was scared that I would come back to it after saying a prayer of repentance right away. So basically, I had no faith. I believed that God could set someone else free from eating disorder, but not me, I guess. I couldn't believe it for myself. And faith, guys, is the substance of things hoped for. I couldn't even hope for it, you know. And the evidence of things not sin. I could not see myself being free from the sin. And guys, you must have faith to be set free from a bondage like that. If you have like a habitual sin like that, if you do not have faith in your freedom, you cannot have it. Like you cannot be what's beyond what you like. You cannot be, you cannot go beyond what you believe. You know what I'm saying? So you must have faith in God's word, not in the circumstance or your willpower. And we should be able to envision and see ourselves free from those kind of bondages. And you must believe that that's what's going to happen when I release my faith. But, repeat myself, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I did not have it. And when we have deliverance sessions, uh, we begin the session with prayer or encouraging the person or worshiping together. Why? Why do we do that? Because we want to stir up the faith in their heart, in their brother or sister, that they can be delivered. You have hope and have faith in this amazing God that we are worshiping right now, that this amazing Jesus that we are praying to right now. We try to stir up the faith in their hearts. That's why, why we begin the sessions with that. And when we when the counselee has strong faith in it, like, I'm free this night, I'm done with it tonight, it's usually successful, of course, you know? And then when that counselee has no faith, oh, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to happen, then we recommend that we don't have the session even. We recommend the person to go get discipled first and grow in your faith, and then let's have a session. That's the wise thing to do. You know what I'm saying? And, guys, we need faith to be set free from these sins. And the deliverance is so simple. People think it's this crazy exorcism, but it's really simple. <laughs> Three steps you can remember right now. You confess your sin, and you repent, you turn away, and you renounce. You renounce me. I have nothing to do with it anymore. I'm done with it. So it's just simple, confess, repent, and renounce. And these are just basic three steps, and then you are delivered from your sin. You know? But have faith 
in things unseen, things that you cannot see right now, your freedom from addiction, your freedom from masturbation, your freedom from eating disorder, those things, you cannot see it right now. But through your release of faith, it can happen. It's going to happen. That's why faith is so powerful, you know. Even though you are never free from this sin, even though you've been living with it for 10 years, but believe that Jesus can do it. Release your faith in God's word and in Jesus. That's why faith is so important. And let me tell you how my story ended about my bulimia. So 2007 summer, I... Before I went on the mission trip, Erin, uh, some of my wonderful leader, she spoke to me about the habitual sins and how you're doing in your spiritual walk. And I, um, just to begin it, I was honest with her. Samo, I had this problem, bulimia, and I be, I've had it for five years, and I'm trying to stop. Help me, pray for me. And she was keeping me accountable in that. And I went on Philippines mission trip, it was great treat, amazing, and then we came back successfully. We plundered the house of Satan. It was an amazing trip. And after I came back, PMS, post-mission syndrome, it hit me really strong. I was a mess after the trip. <laughs> I'm sorry, brothers. <laughs> That's a different term. Get over it. Okay, I was a mess. My bulimia came back on me, and I was under severe, severe bondage. I was a mess. And Erin Samo, after like a week or so, she came to me and asked me, Myung, how are you doing in that area? And you know what? I lied. I said, I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. But I lied. And long story short, after about a week, Holy Spirit convicted my heart. Myung, you lied to Erin. So go confess to her and tell her about your situation. And I did. And it was like a random night. And then I just, uh, we were cleaning the sanctuary together, I think. And then I just grabbed her. I started speaking to her. Samo, I'm back on bulimia, and I don't know what to do. And it was just a 30-minute short talk. And that night, guys, I found my freedom. I got my deliverance. And I conquered the bondage of bulimia with the power of Jesus Christ. And I, I'll tell you how it happened. So she released the conviction of sin. Like as I began to talk about it and why it is clearly a sin before God. And to me, I just, um, what? Okay, I, I was like explaining how I felt like and exactly how I felt like was this. I, I don't, somehow I don't think I'm able to live without it. That's exactly what I said. Uh, and then she spoke hope and faith to me. Like, Myunga, that's a lie. You can live without it. You can have your freedom tonight. I will pray for you. Jesus can do it. You may not be able to do it, but Jesus can do it. She just spoke faith and hope into my heart right there. And, and she prayed for me, and that was it. It wasn't even like a crazy session, but Jesus really set me free tonight. And after that, uh, I didn't get like crazy temptation. I never threw up afterwards. And, yeah, I, I got my freedom that night. That's really simple, huh? <laughs> it's really simple. So with Erin, I confessed my sin. I repented. 
I was able to turn away verbally. Lord, I turned away. Oh, I started crying. I renounced it in Jesus' name. And then it was actually gone. And I declared that I had nothing to do with it anymore. Um, don't think that I'm lying, but that night was actually the end. People don't believe me, but that night was actually the end. And I didn't abuse my body by throwing up or binge eating or anything like that afterwards, ever since. So church, my third point is this. Thank you, Erin Samo, by the way. <laughs> my third point is not thank you, Erin Samo, but my third point is church, we <laughs> need each other. So keep each other accountable. That is my point. Keep each other accountable. We are one body. Bible tells us that we belong to one another. We are committed to one another. We are our brother's keeper. Christians says it often. We are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. We are. And New Philly requires every furnace leader to have accountability partner. And I think it's really great. I'm so proud of it. If you are a small group member, your small group leader should be in charge of keeping you accountable in that area. At least purity and spiritual walk. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we have this system because I know how important it is. And I'm realizing how crucial it is more and more these days as I look at the church. Guys, if you guys don't know about Korean celebrity suicide, so this message purely came out of this, my, my anger toward it. And I recently learned that my friend told me a lot of the recent suicides among the celebrities, like Choi Jin-shil, Yuni, I don't know, a lot of them, like five of them, they are all Christians. They are all Christians. Other than one person or something, they are all believers. You know? And then choosing to die, choosing the worst form of sin, ending their lives like that, what's happening in our churches, guys? You know? Something wrong. There's something wrong. If Jesus doesn't do anything to your life, there's something wrong going on at church. Who's keeping them accountable? Who was their keeper? What happened to the church members and church pastors and ministers at those churches? What were they doing when they were struggling, deciding to kill themselves like that? And that just really broke my heart. If they had strong accountability group or just close friends at church who could keep them accountable. Only if. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. We lack that, brothers and sisters. And the devil will tell you to shut up, to isolate yourself. Don't go to church. You are feeling bad. Just appear holy. Just hide everything. Hide your sins. Try to act like everything's okay, like everyone does. Especially when you are a good Christian, when you are a small group leader, or when you are like a high leader, when you have like a high leadership position, when you are a minister, a pastor, Satan will attack you even more. We are not free from that kind of lies, you know? We have that, we, they can use the shame attack. What a shame. You are a minister. You cannot share that with your small group. You know, just get over it yourself. You don't have to share that right now. They're not going to respect you. Come on, just shut up. That's the lies that we hear all the time. 
That's a religious spirit. It's just whispering into your ears. And they will continue to lie to you like that. But we should never give up on it. If you do not have accountability partner or group, please find someone as soon as possible. Commit to a small group as soon as possible. You need a shepherd. You need your peer who can keep you accountable. Please. And if you do have accountability partner or group, let's check ourselves. Let's see what's going on in our groups. Yeah, I did it again, but there's grace. Yeah, I messed up again too, but God is merciful to us, huh? Amen together. (laughs) Next month, the same conversation. Oh, I messed up again. I did it again. Month after, let's receive grace. Happened again. Same thing. Guys, grace is amazing. It's really good. But remember, mark, mark the words of Paul. Paul said, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Don't abuse grace. And grace empowers you to keep his commands. Grace is, if you look at New Testament, if you look at the, the words, the, if you look at it in the context, like 80%, I learned it in class, but 80, more than 80% of the uses, it talks about power. So grace refers to power of Christ. And grace empowers you to keep his commands. Grace enables you to be what it commands. That's what grace does. But when we say these things, when we say, oh, God's grace, let's receive it again. Like, do not misuse God's grace in your meetings like that. That's misuses. That's misused. <laughs> okay? And even though everyone messes up, oh, I messed it up again, you messed it up again, and pursue the holiness together. No matter how many times, but pursue the holiness don't give up. Don't settle in the middle. Don't settle at the being just decent. This is all right. Um, you know, don't settle there. Pursue the holiness together. That's what you guys should be doing together. And don't try to make yourselves feel better by saying grace, mercy, but push each other for holiness. Like, let's go further, guys. Let's go further. We can do better. Push each other for holiness. Let's not settle at being just decent, no? Or having to receive grace all the time, every time we meet, you know? And having someone, oh, this is important, having someone keep you accountable means that you give certain amount of authority to that person. So that person can speak into your life with authority. Do you guys get it? When you are in accountability, you are just not like sharing, you know, oh, I struggle, you struggle, I confess, you confess. It's not that you exchange a certain amount of authority with one another. When the person, when your partner speaks into your life, that has some authority over you. If you're not going to be teachable to what the person is saying to you, that's not accountability, you know. You should be able to speak into their lives. And that person should be able to speak into your lives. There should be that exchange of authority, you know? And then when you are accountable with someone, you are accountable, you're responsible for part of their lives, at least the area that you are sharing with that person together. 
You are responsible for their sin. You are responsible for their mess up. You are responsible together for each other's life. You know? And if you guys are not challenging each other enough, not pushing each other for better and higher and just the pursuit of holiness, there's something that's got to be corrected in your group. It is not for us to have fun and have pity party over our sins and mess ups, but to have victory over them together. Victory over sins together. That's why we meet up. That's why we keep each other accountable. Don't forget the authority. You got to be teachable. And don't be ashamed to speak into that person's life just because you messed up too. You still have authority. You know, you can still speak word of God into that person's life. And that's what should be doing to one another. And I will end this message with uh, awesome quotes from this book. He says this, why do you need the nature of Christ within you? So you can be like Christ, not just act like him. God has not given us the power to imitate him. He has made us partakers of his nature so that we can actually be like him. You don't become a Christian by acting like one. You are not on a performance basis with God. He doesn't say, here are my standards, now you measure up. He knows, you, he knows you can solve the problem of an old sinful self by simply improving your behavior. He must change your nature, give you an entirely new self, the life of Christ in you, which is the grace you need to measure up to his standards. Amen. <laughs> Guys, let's remember this. Listen to who God says you are. Listen to his words. Remember, respond with faith. Release your faith into your own deliverance, own freedom. It can happen tonight. And number three, keep each other accountable. Keep each other accountable. And I didn't say anything about this, but be filled with Holy Spirit too. Be filled with Holy Spirit. It will take care of the majority of your major sins at once without any counseling or session or anything. It will help you a lot. Be filled with Holy Spirit and let him control you. And he will take over your desires. He will take over your passions. And it will just stop you from sinning, you know? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are releasing your anointing into this room, releasing your presence into this room, God, releasing conviction to the hearts of your people, God. Father, I thank you that we have hope in you, that we can actually conquer the sin of Father. We are actually done with it. We are over it. We are free from it, Lord God. And Lord God, you truly paid the cost of sin, oh Father. It's fully paid. We are redeemed, oh Father. So we can, uh, just pri- just with pride, oh God, we can call ourselves saints. So Father, I thank you for the justification and thank you for the work of sanctification, Lord God, that's happening in our lives every day, Lord. 
So, Father God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling from any habitual sin, O oh Lord God, any bondage of sin, O oh Lord. I just pray, O oh Lord, that you release hope and faith right now into this room, O oh Father. So, Father, they will have faith, O oh Lord, in your words, O oh Lord, God, in Jesus Christ, O oh Lord God, who he was, what he can do, O oh Father, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in how many years we had those sins, O oh Father. Father, I pray that you release freedom and desire to be free, desire to be delivered, O oh Father. And Lord, I just pray, O oh Lord God, I just speak life into them right now, God. Lord, I thank you that we have the hope in you, God. As we struggle with these sins, O oh Father, we do not struggle without hope. We do, we, we, we do struggle, Lord, but we have the hope of victory over the darkness, O oh God. And Lord, I thank you that you are just moving us from glory to glory, O oh God. And every day, O oh Lord God, we are improving, we are getting better, Lord God. The room of darkness, the room of Satan and devils, O oh Father God, it's decreasing, O oh Father. And Lord, your glory is increasing in our lives, God. I thank you for that, Lord. And God, I pray that you bless the accountability groups and small groups, O oh Lord, as we meet, as we share together, as we confess, as we repent, as we renounce together, Lord God, as witnesses for one another. Father, let there be truth, let there be honesty, O oh God, and let there be, O oh Lord God, this, that faith rising up, O oh Father. Let there be, O oh Lord God, newly written testimonies, O oh like in those meetings, God. And Lord, we just pray blessing over the accountability groups, Lord. Father, you are the God of glory. We thank you that we are the glory bearers, oh God. And Lord, even though we struggle every day, Lord, Father, we want to live for you. We want to be just fully free, oh Father. And Lord, continue to do your amazing work of healing and deliverance in our lives, God. We are never done with it. But Lord, we just trust in your faithfulness that you will finish this. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.